Hi, this is Paul from B Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. We trust this can allow you to live bigger, to live better, and to live bolder. It's Christmas! Well, almost anyway. <laughs> don't, don't you like, just love this time of the year? Huh? Yeah, it's expensive, I know. Listen, yeah, we just had two dogs at the vet, so um, my wife's getting that same dog back with a bow around its neck. So, <laughs> I'm serious, <laughs> I'm not even joking. <laughs> yeah. Now, Christmas is such a nice time because it's, it's an exciting time and the weather's mostly good unless you live in George. Um, it's family time, it's bride time and for the international lis- listeners it's barbecue time but we don't do viennas and patties, we do meat. Um, it's swimming, it's sun, it's fun, it is eating, it is carols, it is big family dues. It's all of these things this time of the year that makes December really special, isn't it? Well, if you're in the southern hemisphere, if you're in the north, they're sitting around fires, cuddled in blankets, freezing their little, whatever little they got off, and um, not having as much fun as what we are, where we're like on the beaches, catching a tan, and I'm not going to show you my tan because it's non-existent, um, but we, we have it good here in the south, having a real time and just generally enjoying ourselves. And at Christmas time, it's so easy to get caught up in, in all the jazz, the lights and the glitter and the family times. And we get so caught up in the presents and all of these things that we tend to forget why we have Christmas and we forget about Jesus. And to be honest, without Jesus, it would just be another day. Our December wouldn't look like our December does. There probably wouldn't even be school holidays. Businesses wouldn't close. We wouldn't have the big dinners. We wouldn't have all the glitz and the glam. It would just be another month. Because of Jesus, the saved, okay, well, the believers and the unbelievers get to enjoy the benefit of December because of something that happened so long ago. And we've forgotten that little fact, that it's because of Jesus that we got this time of the year. Otherwise, it will just be another month, another day, just something that happens. So we've really got a lot to be grateful for. But if the only thing that has changed is December because of Jesus, and that's a very sad place to be. If the only thing in your life that has changed is you get to spend time with your family, you get to overeat, you get to go to the beach, or you get to do whatever, if that's all that has changed in your life because of the birth of Jesus, man, you're in the right place today. Because hopefully you'll walk out here knowing that your life can change and should change And Jesus is the reason for the season, and he's the one you should be looking to during this time of year. Now, I know a lot of you envy me because I'm built like I'm built. Okay. But, 
I want to share something deep and personal with you. I have picked up some weight, okay? <laughs> and when you bolt like a street lamp, that's a good thing, okay? It's a really good thing. I picked up significant weight. I just hide it very well. I normally got a lot lower voice than this, but I'm holding my tummy in and it's having effect. But because I've picked up weight, I've got a problem with my belt. You see, the one hole is now too tight. And the other hole is my pants is too big or it sits too loose. And I'm caught between these two holes like, <gasps> or <laughs> pulling up the hole. Don't you hate it when you have to do that? <laughs> um, so I'm in between places on my belt. And a lot of people, when it comes to Christmas, are in between attitudes, in between thought places. They're like caught in this middle ground between the two holes on their belt of life, not knowing, how do I respond to this Jesus? How do I respond to this baby in a manger? Do I take note of that, or do I just enjoy all that comes with that? The family, the dinners, and the sun, and all of that things, or those things. And my prayer today is that you would realize you choose Jesus. That's our prayer for you. That during this December, over this Christmas, you would choose Jesus above all those other things. Make no mistake, I love Christmas. The only part of Christmas I don't like so much is the decorations because I've got to put them up, okay? And they'll be going up in the church next week. And it creates wonderful moments of intimacy between a married couple when you've got to put up decorations, okay? Particularly with my wife, who is very particular, and I'm not, and I've got to be up the ladder, and I've got to move it this way, and I've got to move it that way, and I want to move out the house when we've got to hang up decorations. But besides that, I love Christmas. But not everyone does. And not everyone gets to enjoy what other people enjoy about Christmas. You see, if we're honest, in some families there's disputes. Some families you don't know who to invite and who you shouldn't invite. Some of you won't have your children with you. Some of you, your children are grown up and don't live near you. Some of you, your children are going to be with the ex over Christmas. Some people really wish they could enjoy Christmas but don't have the financial means. There's moms and dads who are broken because they're unable to give the kids what they would like to over Christmas. People generally get more down and more depressed over this time of year. For some, it's a season of heartbreak, remorse, and self-pity. So not everyone enjoys Christmas. But if we take these relational aspects and we can move them aside and we can focus on the one relationship that actually makes it all worthwhile, which is Jesus, then you might come to the realization that is during this time of year that you probably need Jesus more than ever. You need him all the time. But this season tends to bring home a realization of how much you do need him. And it also brings home 
the magnitude of who Jesus is. You see, we've got this, we've got this perception of Jesus or different perceptions of Jesus, and some of you see him as the baby in the manger and like that sort of it. Others is the miracle worker. For other people, he's, he's still on the cross. And for some, he's the resurrected Savior. And for the really enlightened, he's all of those things. But it starts with what happened so many years ago with his birth, and it progressed from there into a relationship with him. We get so caught up in what Jesus did that we tend to forget who he was, who he is, and what he's able to do for us as an individual if we will take the time to reach out and reach in. You see, we look back at Christmas as the time that Jesus came into the world to be the center of history, where we should be looking at it as the time that Jesus came back to be the center of our life. And that is what we pray happens this Christmas, that Jesus becomes the center of your life. When that happens, then Christmas takes on a new and, and an authentic meaning it's got depth to it that, does, that wasn't there before because you realize Jesus came to deal with my past, so I've got a future. I might not have a glorious Christmas day, but I've got a future because I'm with the one who created space for me to live, to love, to be loved, and to live life through that love. That changes the game a little bit compared to what we used to. We also realize that he came into my dark life to be the light. And it's from the light that we dispel darkness. But we do get caught up in Christmas lights, in house decorations, in all the, have you been down, what's this beautiful streets in George where they do up all the houses? And we, we look at those lights, but not the light of the world, who is Jesus and I pray again, I pray that you connect with Jesus this Christmas through the truth of who Jesus was and not through a series of celebrations or relational difficulties, but the truth of who Jesus was and who Jesus is. I watched an awesome teaching by Andy Stanley called Light of the World, where I got this idea from. And we're going to do part two next week. Next week's going to be awesome. Okay. Every week's awesome when you're in Jesus. But I was watching this, and he explains Christmas through, through the eyes of John. Now, you know in the Bible that you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? Everyone's got that part of the Bible. Okay. Now, John, according to the experts, the Gospel of John was the last written Gospel. It was written after all the others and towards the end of the life of John. Now, John was old, and he probably thought, look, I better get all of this down before I go the way of the world. Let me get down what my experience was, because John actually walked with Jesus, so he had first-hand account. And John had outlived everyone else who had been walking with Jesus. John had, had, um, had been with Jesus, experienced 
the death of Jesus, was there with the resurrection of Jesus, and so because he was the last living person who had, who, who, that we know of that, that actually shared the life of Jesus, he must have been in pretty high demand. And he must have told the stories we, look ab- we, we read about in the Gospel of John over and over and over again. Because whenever he goes, I mean, you walked with Jesus. How was it? Tell me what happened on the mount. Tell me how did he heal that guy. And he would have told these stories over and over and over again. He knew them intimately. He knew them by heart. And you would expect when he starts his Gospel, he would start with the beginning those important parts about the birth. But he starts his gospel a little bit differently. And his whole gospel goes about summing up the life of Christ by saying, God is love. And because of God's love, Jesus came. And Jesus is love. That's how you can sum up John. He doesn't allude to the fact about the birth and the death and all of this. He deals with it. But he he wants you to understand that God is love because John, the apostle, the disciple, whatever you want to call him, had a heart for God's people, and he wanted you to know the heart of God. Now, he had been through a whole lot. He had witnessed probably his family, his friends, he himself been persecuted, been chased from town to town, been whipped, been beaten, he had witnessed other disciples being martyred, in other words, being killed because of their belief in Jesus. Now, you people often want to convince me Jesus doesn't exist. Why would so many people die then for someone who doesn't exist and not give up on Jesus? That's proof he did exist. You see, John, John was alive when, when, uh, when Nero sent General Vespasian into Jerusalem and the surrounding towns to kill Christians. And he witnessed Christians being killed in their hundreds and thousands. He witnessed towns being destroyed, buildings being burnt. He witnessed the temple being destroyed. He was eyewitness to all of these things that was happening. He saw brothers and sisters in faith being killed or taken as slaves. He saw them been thrown to lions. He saw them being put in the gladiator rings to be killed by gladiators as entertainment. He saw them burnt alive to light up streets at night. He saw all of this with his own eyes and he never, ever gave up on Jesus. Never. His friends, Peter, Paul, the other disciples, he watched them die. And you would think he would talk about this. You would think he would share from that perspective. But if you look towards the end of the book of John, he sort of gives a summary of his belief, of what he deems to be important. And in John 20, he this, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This was important to John after all he had been through. He wanted us to know that life was in the name of Jesus. He isn't interested in your past or his past. He's interested in the fact that you know that you have a future 
and your future is in Christ. That is what drives him. So when John begins to write the Gospel of John, he does it from this perspective. There's nothing in the book of John about the virgin. There's nothing about the shepherds. There's nothing about the three wise men. There's nothing about Herod. There's none of these stories, and he would have known this story intimately. Because if you read his gospel, when Jesus was on the cross, Jesus looks at John, Mary, his mother, is there, and John is next to her, and he says to John, John, you take Mary as your mother. And he turns to his mother and he says, Mary, Mom, you take John as your son. John, if you look at the character, would have done as Jesus asked. He would have taken Mary as his mother. Mary would have gone with him wherever he went. He would have been a son to her, and she would have treated him like, he would have been, she would have been a mother to him, and he a son to her. He would have asked her questions. I mean, can you imagine you're with Mary, and he doesn't ask her. So how was it when the angel appeared? He doesn't ask her what we all want to really know. So how did Joseph actually react? Okay? He doesn't ask her about the inn, about the manger, about the happened with the gifts. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't allude to any of that, but he must have known because those are the questions we would want to ask. I would have talked to ears of wanting to know all of this stuff. So John knew exactly what happened better than anybody else. And you would think, because he's got all this inside information that Matthew, Mark, Luke didn't have, he would start his gospel with all of that information. Seems logical, isn't it? But he doesn't. He begins with the significance of the birth of Jesus. He begins not with the virgin. Now you've got to remember, he's writing from a very dark in history. And he writes, he writes about the light that is to come. All this other stuff, he doesn't feel is that important to you. This is more important. And he says the following in John 1, verse 45. In him was life, and that life was the life of all mankind, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He actually ends the way he starts. Or he starts the way he ends. Beginning of the gospel, the end of the gospel, he wants us to understand this. Derek, I think you can turn that aircon down. Some of the people are getting cold. I can see them looking a little bit. I don't know if they're just so absorbed with the message, but I think it's the aircon. So he's just experienced most everyone he knows and loves. He is he's witnessed all his people being killed. And despite all of this, the one thing that he wants you to know, the one thing that stands out is this. In Christ is life, and he is the light 
of the world. Now we tend to get focused on the dynamics and the logistics around the day and forget that Christmas is actually about life and not the life that we know in the flesh but the spiritual life, the life that is thought to come. He's concerned about you, your time here, and where you're going to spend the time after here. He wants to direct you towards God. And he says to us, the point of Christmas is this. It's life. It's not the dinner. It's not the family. It's life. And there's no ordinary life. It's the life that leads to light. And where that light is, there is no darkness. Your day may not be perfect. It might look a little bit gloomy, a little bit dark. In your head, it might be dark. But there's light in your heart because Jesus is with you. Jesus is life. And the point of Christmas is life. I wonder, this Christmas, 2019, are you going to have place for Jesus at your table? The verse, John 1, 4 and 5, was written in this context. The temple that was the center of religious life, the temple that was the middle point of everything around a young or old, anybody Jewish, anyone who bought into the Jewish faith, it was central to their life. Everything about their belief had or was found in the temple. That temple had just been destroyed, obliterated, not one stone left on top of another. It was a burning pile of rubble. And John's coming with another philosophy. So I've just seen this happen. He might have been an eyewitness. We're not sure. But we do know. He knew about what had happened to the temple. And he says, but that's okay. That's on the outside. But if you've got Jesus on the inside, then we've just created another temple. And that temple is where the light is. It's from that place, despite what your Christmas looks like, despite who you're going to have with you, who you won't have with you, despite what you're going to eat or not going to have to eat, the light of Christ is in you. Jesus is with you. you just got to invite him to the table. Our lives are all a little bit broken. I saw a quote on Facebook. It says our lives are all a little bit broken, but that is how the light shines through. So it's in your brokenness of this, this Christmas that the light is able to shine if you've invited the light in. Who's sitting at your table? Who rules the heart? Is Christmas just going to be Christmas? 
was it actually going to be life and life in abundance a life we can't comprehend for that to happen you need to choose jesus and for some of us believers we need to choose jesus again because we've let it go cold sort of like you've leaked jesus over time as life consumes you we got to be choosing Jesus and choosing Jesus again and again and again. And what a perfect time of the year to choose life and to choose light because He's the light of the world. And He wants to be the light of your life. But then you've got to choose. How am I spending Christmas? Who's important? What's important? Is it the party? Is it the people? Or is it the power that comes from on high? And I'm into the power because it's through the power that I can touch the people that I would like at my table. Says Jesus, welcome at your table. As the praise and worship team comes back, you need to ask yourself, how's your Christmas going to be? Who have I invited? Who have I invited? And what am I going to do about the empty chair at my table? Or rather, the empty chair in my heart who is going to fill that spot can someone please find our drummer <laughs> Christmas in John's eyes was way more than just about a day it was may, way more than just about the birth it was about life and a life of abundance welcome back <laughs> you see we live life and life's not always great we have Christmas and it might not always be great but I promise you if today you turn your eyes upon Jesus and you look full in his wonderful face. The things of the earth are going to go dim in the light of his glory and his grace. And I pray that as we sing this song again, you choose Jesus. And you choose him in his fullness. Not only for a season, but for the rest of your life. Let's stand as we sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Before you, we say, Lord... We are your people. You've chosen us. And today we choose to respond to you. And we invite you to be at the center, Lord. Not only of a season, but the center of our life. You came, Lord, not only change history, but change the future. And we want to be part of that future. We want to be part, Lord, of everything that you involve. We want to be where you are at. So today as the body of Christ, as the people you've called together, we invite you to sit at the table of our heart, Lord. And we ask you to sit at the head of that table, Lord. Thank you for taking up your place in our life. We ask, Lord, that you now lead us, you guide us, and you love us, Lord, as only you can do. We are your people, and we will live for you today and every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want any more info, 
please feel free to visit our website www.bchurch.co.za or connect with us on Facebook at Bikers Church Garden Rit.